Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Stomp the Bus Show. I'm your host, Mark Harris, and sadly, we're coming to you after ASU's first loss of the 2023 season, a 27-15 defeat to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. How are you doing, Colton? And what do you what do you see from that game? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you for asking. Um, I love your mustache. Yours is much more pronounced than mine. This is the best that I can do. It just kind of looks you gotta like... you got to grow the beard first. got to grow the, the beard first and then just shave everything off but the mustache. Okay. I, you know, I've never been one who could grow any sort of significant facial hair. I usually just grow or a little teeth. bit of fuzz. You can do goatee first. Yeah, you know, but this never connects. So if I'm going goatee, I'm just going with like this soul patch and then this here. Um, just take some so. supplements from the gym. That'll help. Out. Yeah, I can add it to my supplement regime. All the, Go to a gas station, get one of those pills. All the creatine, all the amino acids, all the weightlifting stuff that I'm taking. Um, I can oh, yeah. just add it into that cycle. So, uh, yeah. You're definitely not stalling. To No, I, you know, truthfully, looking at this game, um, I don't know. It doesn't feel, and maybe it's because of like the bowl game stuff. Maybe it's because of everything surrounding this team and the fact that we've both been very realistic about what this season is in our eyes. Right. I, I kind of feel, I, I view this season as like, we're kind of doing recon a little bit. We're kind of going to see what this fu- the future looks like for this team. They've got a true freshman quarterback. Hopefully we'll continue to have that true freshman quarterback for a couple of years, but who knows? given the state of college football, um, brand new coach, first year coach, youngest coach in, in FBS, all of that stuff. So it doesn't seem to me, it's not like the sky is falling. It's not like we came in with these lofty expectations, very winnable game. And there's a lot of elements of this game that, that drove me crazy that reflect on Dillingham. I think um, this, this game was a pretty, significant growing pain for him I think I think that's the best way to describe it based on what I saw was this is the first time I think we're going to discuss and I mean it's game two so it's not like we've had a long uh, a long list of opportunities to get into all of this but I think this discussion that we're about to have will be pretty critical of the job that Dillingham did on Saturday and I think rightfully so is that kind of how you feel as well I I don't I I kind of disagree with you on that. So I guess okay. we'll get into it then. Okay, um, good. I want to hear what, what were you your then. I mean, I don't think he coached a perfect game by any means, but no, what and your you know, thoughts on it. I'm looking through the box score just to see how many times he did go for it on fourth down with a direct snap to Cam Scadaboo. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to figure that out. Um that that part drove me insane, especially in a game where, um, you know, you, you, you're up 7-0, and as the game goes along, you, you understand you're in a bit of a dogfight, right? Um, it's not like Oklahoma State's defense was, was ripping off chunk play after chunk play. You know what I'm saying? Um, you mean their offense? Or Yeah, offense. Yeah. That's what I meant. But just looking at this, you know, it's – they did go with three quarterbacks again. <laughs> yeah. So we, we saw that. Um, and you but, can tell, too. Yeah, their longest play was was a 20-yard pass play, and it was the first passing attempt of the game, right? Right. So it, it's not like this offense was was 
completely on fire and, and setting them back deep in their own territory, I think might have been th- this game kind of devolved into a bit of a chess match where if you're playing the field position game and you're doing a little bit of that, I think you put yourself in a better position ultimately. Not that Dillingham's offense played much better. Um, I mean, Rashada was kind of running for his life in this game, and we'll get into that in just a second. But you look at the, the, the you know, the scoring pre- possession here and our progression rather. And, and after Elijah Badger's 65-yard touchdown with – 10 minutes in the second quarter, ASU didn't score any more points. That yeah. was it. So, yeah. And I mean, if Dillingham, if Dillingham's thing was supposed to be offensive prowess and, and everything like that, regardless of the situation, regardless of the freshman quarterback, regardless of, of the circumstances, not scoring any points after 10 minutes in the second quarter is is worrisome to me. In a game that you're up 15-7, it looked like they were going to be able to handle this game at the very least and, and, and do what they needed to do to win based on what we had seen to that point. And then after that, the wheels kind of fell off. So that, that was what was concerning to me. But what did you think? So I – so I'm looking through the opportunities when they didn't get the first down on fourth down, right? Yeah. Um, so they went one for five. They went for it five times. I think the last time was like the game was kind of over, so it was inconsequential. Yeah. A little. I'm not going to count. Yeah. Yeah. The last time. Fine. So I see the first time. This is with ASU up 15 to 10, uh, pretty close before the half. It, it doesn't result in anything because OSU punted after. Uh, I mean, fourth and five at the Oklahoma State 48. Rashada gets sacked. I'm okay with that one. I mean. I get upset when Pete Carroll doesn't go for it at that time. And I mean, obviously every game is different, but I'm okay with that one. Uh, right before the half, uh, fourth and one on Oklahoma State's 40. It, it's, it's the Scatabo uh, direct snap, but they got all the way to their 40-yard line. So with that one, it's like, that's too far for a field goal. You're not going to punt. I mean, it... If you don't like the play call, I can understand that. But... I think it was the play call for me. Yeah, I think that's that... what drove me crazy. And he, he ran, if I'm not mistaken, he ran that play twice, right? Oh, no. he They ran it probably like four times. That's and what so I'm saying. That... I, mean, I mean, on fourth down, though, they ran that oh. direct snap twice, right? Because um, I want to say the, the one in the fourth quarter that kind of put the game out of well, reach. I think they did run it twice, but the time that they didn't get it, was I think they got it one time running that play. And then the second time they did it on fourth and one, they didn't get it. Okay. So they were one for five on fourth down conversions in the game. So the one that they did pick up was in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That must have been the one that they actually got. But yeah. My I, thing I think is, for me it was more the play call. I, I I hate that direct snap stuff, especially when your offensive line isn't necessarily your strength. I think that direct snap, like wildcat formation, is the least. It, it makes the defense guess the least. That's it, true. I'll give you that. But the flip side is it doesn't have to hold up as long when there's like the quarterback, the exchange from the quarterback to the running back. So, 100%. If you're running the ball, I get it. And it's fourth and one, you kind of have to. Yeah, I, I just don't think I think in that game in that situation, right? Fourth and one, 
you you want to play to your strengths a little bit, and I get it. This team doesn't the have whole, a whole lot. The offensive line was just so bad. Like I, that's but the that's, thing. That's like, exactly that, my point. <laughs> is how do you expect that offensive line to hold up on a fourth and one when their job is to move that pile so that there's right. any move, there's any room for Scadaboo to pick that up? Because if Scadaboo is getting a direct snap, the defensive line doesn't have to guess at all. They know exactly what's coming. It's Scadaboo trying to get that one yard. And if you can't get any push with your offensive line and it hasn't happened all night, why do you expect it to happen in that situation? I, I mean, guess the pl- was my point. My counter to that would be that play had been working the previous times he had called it. So, okay. That would be, but I mean, to me, like the only fourth down I had an issue with that, like, was the second to last one. Um, this was Oklahoma State had just made it a uh, midway, but we're about midway through the fourth quarter. They hit, hit a field goal, they're up by five points. Um, and, uh, you know, it was three and out, and then they didn't get the, it was an incomplete pass from Rashada. And that was on ASU's own 33, and then Oklahoma State scored a touchdown. Yeah. But that, that that's the only one I didn't like, but I also understood the thought process behind it, because if you punt that away, you're, there's a good chance you're not getting it back anyway. So, yeah. and if you punt it away, you would have to go all the way down and score a touchdown too, and and not a field goal. So, there's a really only one fourth down that they didn't get that I was like really upset with, uh, because like like I, I get here's where I do agree with you on the Cam Scadabo direct snap thing is the time that we we mentioned right after halftime. That was definitely he definitely called that play one too many times. It felt like yeah, that yeah. that I agree with, and that's that's where I think you know you you see some of those growing pains a little bit, and you know maybe recognizing like okay this has been working, but at what point is it like that one time too many? You know, and it's, I guess it's hard yeah. to project that. I guess it's hard to be on top of when that's going to be. But um, I mean beyond just the fourth down stuff. Going, what is that? Uh, two and a half quarters without scoring any points, like that's Good. that's not that's not great. No, um, I I just I do I look just being at the game like I think I think the look like we can get into the you know individual fourth and ones or the yeah. fourth down decisions, but I think the reason they didn't score in the second half was just the offensive line was. Uh, just really bad and like it yeah. obviously it's injured and so I'm not trying to like but look it just wasn't that good and I mean Rashada had very little room to operate um, you know you have two three and outs or no I guess uh, basically three and outs you threw a pick honestly that pick I wasn't that upset with like you get one pick in two games from a freshman you know against a big 12 defense like it, it whatever and maybe it's softened by the fact that Oklahoma State missed the field goal afterward. But I just – I don't know. I think against Fresno State, I'm not really worried about the offense being so anemic um, just because I don't think Fresno State defense is as good as Oklahoma State. But the offense – like, there has to be a way – like, the game plan has to reflect that 
the offensive line is just not good right now. Right. And so that that's the um, that's the thing to watch heading into next week from the offensive side. And then so in the first half, look, it was a, they controlled the well, not like super controlled the game, but they were up by fifteen to ten at half. Like they were moving the ball fairly effectively. Like it it looked at halftime, I was like, okay, like we have a good chance. I remember telling someone. If ASU scores two more touchdowns in this game, they'll win. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. But yeah, I do. I do want to get to one. We didn't mention this. Uh, this play that happened, and this is. Uh, let's see. This is in the fourth quarter. This is early in the fourth quarter. ASU had just forced a three and out from Oklahoma State, which man. ASU's defense played really well in this game. And I know that the, the, the three quarterbacks obviously helped that, but I mean, at halftime, ASU held Oklahoma State to zero yards rushing. Like, that's a power five opponent. And like, I get it that the quarterback situation wasn't great. Uh, anyway, also, the punter did not have a great game either. Um, from Josh Carlson, not his best game. But anyway, the, the point I want to get back to is uh, it's. Third and four at ASU's 33-yard line. Um, Rashada runs for four yards. Brooks runs for two yards. And it's third and four. And I think you know what play I'm talking about. Guillory is running a, like, a post. And Rashada hits him, like, right right on the money, third down. And there was, so, like, just watching the play from the stadium, there was so much room ahead of Guillory on that play. And I honestly think if Guillory makes that catch and either, I mean, look, he could have ran for a touchdown or he could have ran, you know, very deep into Oklahoma State territory. That was on third and four in the fourth quarter, right? Yep. Okay. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like say like, oh, this one play lost the game because that's not true. But at the same time, like that was a huge crucial play. And Right. And I mean, sometimes that's fair to say. Sometimes one play changes yeah. the entire landscape of a game and, and you don't know what happens from there. Right. Then you don't have the, the, I, I think that's when the other fourth down play was on that drive. Right. When, it was the drive after. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, so you like, don't have to go and do that. You maybe you're, you're approaching that fourth down a little differently. Yeah. I mean, it's fair to say that that one play could have had a, a pretty substantial impact the other way. Had it gone differently, had, Guillory held on to the ball, so. Right. And Which, I mean, the other thing that yeah. just seeing it from the stands is, like, they clearly, like, had the exact right play call for that moment, too, which, mm-hmm. yeah, look, is not something that can be said, you know, a lot out of out of last, uh, last game. But on that play, like, the way, you know, whatever the safety was set up, like, it opened, you know, for it, for Guillory to run a in-breaking route, um, there was just a ton of space ahead of him. And so like, that's, that's a play that hurts. Um, and maybe ASU loses that. Maybe they end up losing like 22 to 23 in Oklahoma state m- makes a field goal. Like at the end, like that, like obviously that would hurt, but it would be, a, we'd be talking about a different game. Um, right. So and I don't know, man, I Oklahoma state, it, it took that one touchdown to really put ASU away in this game. As when AS on a short field, no less. When ASU doesn't pick yeah. up that that fourth down, and uh, Oklahoma State's able to score and just put the game away, 
you know, it, it's it's not like Oklahoma State. You, you've already said the defense played an insane game in this one. Like, yeah. they kept ASU in it for way longer than they should have been in it, right? Like, it, 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 this game, if it would have been won, it probably would have come down to the defense. I don't put that last touchdown on them, honestly. No, no. So, they, yeah, they – they yeah, give up two touchdowns. You give up 20 points, right? I think if that last – if that ball is caught by Guillory, you're looking at what would that have been, 22? They probably go for two in that scenario. Who knows what happens? But you're right. ASU has a lead more than likely deep in the yeah. quarter, and we're talking about something completely different. They would either be – yeah, had – and maybe, you know, maybe he gets caught and they don't score a touchdown on the end of the drive, but he had a lot of space ahead of him, and Guillory's a good athlete. So, like, I think he could have made it, but – um, where was I going with this? The other thing is, uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no you mentioned they could have gone for two. Um, either they'd be up 21 or 23 to 20. So, you yeah. know, just a tough play, but you made a really good point. Like early in this show, when you mentioned like, this is a much easier loss to kind of handle when you know the full context of like what's going on with the program. And so it's, it's a little like, yeah, that's a good uh, point on that front. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not doom and gloom for me, really. It's looking at it like, okay, I think Dillingham's a very smart guy. He obviously has to be to be able to be in the position that he's in. I think they're going to make adjustments. I think offensively, we're going to see a completely different team in terms of. I, I, I don't think we'll see an offense that goes two and a half quarters without scoring again. Right? We'll see some. We'll, we'll see some positive um, developments in that regard. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I will say that based on on this last game and based on the way Fresno State looks and based on the way the rest of the Pac-12 looks, this season might be a little more difficult in terms of wins and losses than I initially envisioned, right? Well, like. Yeah. For me, it's the rest of the Pac-12. Like, I mean, obviously, Fresno State's one game out of those eight, right? But, like, I'm looking at it as, okay, even, even the Fresno State game looks significantly more difficult, let alone all of the Pac-12 games look significantly right. more difficult than they did when, we did when we did our show, what, three weeks ago. I mean, it, it's, I think this season is going to be much – much tougher than we initially thought. I, I don't know if – I don't even know if four wins is in the realm of possibility here. I, I mean, I would I would put it in the realm of possibility. Uh, I guess they already have lot... one, but <laughs> what? three more. I, I said I guess they already have one, but – Yeah, uh, I, my thing is, like, you never know how a college football season's going to unfold, too. Like, yeah. I mean – like, look, if Gilroy catches that pass, like, we might have won this game and we could be thinking – although I, I, I feel like even if we had beaten Oklahoma State, I don't think people would be like, oh, this team's awesome now, but it just would have no. been like, that's a good win. Um, yeah, it's like, okay, they, they got that win, but I'm even – like, I'm pulling up the schedule right now because I don't know off the top of my head. But, I mean, Oklahoma State's probably one of the worst teams they'll play on this schedule. Dude, it might be – they might be the, the second worst team they play all year other than Southern Utah. There's a chance. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. every other team on this schedule is so much more improved. And I'm trying to pull it up. They look so much better than 
we gave any of them credit for, I think. Spare for a few, obvious, like USC or whatever. Like, I mean, the Colorado, Colorado right now is like unbelievable what they're what they're doing. So when they come to ASU, I mean, the heat can only take you so far. I don't think that's gonna be no, I think the yeah. only thing that and this could happen. I think the only thing that well, I guess there's two things with Colorado when they play ASU is one, like I'm I still don't think Colorado's defense is great. Uh, like, because a lot of those turnovers in Nebraska were self-inflicted wounds. Mm-hmm. Colorado obviously still played a great game. I'm not, you know, but and then the other thing is like if they do suffer some injuries in important spots, you know, in the next month before we play them, we don't, you know, their depth could be uh, very tested. But the thing is, like, with Emmett Bowley going out for the year, like, our depth's getting tested too, and we have all sorts of injuries on the offensive line, so it works both ways. Uh, but, no, like, your point with about the Pac-12, like, Washington State look, looks much better than I thought they would look. Uh, even Cal losing to Auburn, I still think they're a good team. Like they, they should they should be the favorite team when ASU plays Cal uh, at the end of the month. I'll say this: Arizona looks kind of exactly what I thought they would look like. So um, that's a positive, I guess. Um, you know, Utah is going to be tough. O- Oregon's going to be tough. Washington's going to be tough. USC is going to be tough. UCLA UCLA looks a little tougher than I thought they would look. So it's like. Yeah, you're right. Like, there's just no – it's so weird because I think this – if you put this exact ASU team in, like, the Pac-12 of, like, two years ago or, like, Pac-12 of four years ago, uh, I, I'm not saying they would go, like, eight and four or anything, but I think they could, like, I don't know, go, like, five, five and seven, six and six. And now this year it's like, okay, let's try to get to – let's try to be, like, a plucky four and eight team, you know? And I think yeah. they can do that. But currently, only three of the teams that they have left on their schedule, they have 10 games left. Only three of these teams aren't ranked currently, right. like as it stands today. This has to be one of the more difficult schedules, like in college football. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Let alone, like, absolutely. Just in the Pac 12. And then, I mean, obviously, the Arizona game's a rivalry game. And who knows what happens there? But, like, after Cal. You have and one, you get two, Cal on three, the road four, too. five, so six, six straight games against teams that are currently ranked, and seven of the of those eight, if you count USC. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. One, I don't think they'll be favored in any of these games remaining. I don't think we'll see ASU as a favorite until next season, maybe against yeah. whoever they open up against. I, I mean, this is this is wild how this schedule has shaken out and how the rest of the Pac-12 has played. Um, they're, they're, ASU and the rest of the Pac are moving in completely different directions. Yeah. No, it's true. And, um, I mean, the only possible way – like, because you say there's eight, eight teams currently ranked. I mean, they won't all be ranked when we play them just because – No, I know. We, but, like, yeah. looking at the schedule right now, I mean, that just because Washington State – might fall out of the top 25 by the time right. we get there at the end of October. I mean, that won't mean that they're still not a significantly better team than, than ASU is right. right now, right? Yeah, that's the only possible game where, like, we could be favored um, is if, like, ASU, you know, just improves a little bit over the month of October and Wazoo doesn't. Yeah. They're coming to Tempe. But, like, 
again, that's saying a lot. So, like, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, honestly, like, but, but like, I, I, I have like a, a year zero mindset uh, for this team. And I mean, maybe that's okay. Like, obviously, it sucks to lose. I'm not trying to, you know, explain away losing. But when you look at the Big 12, <laughs> like, if ASU can just go into the Big 12 with some good vibes and, you know, you're getting some younger guys playing time this year, it, it looks like you're going to be playing a much easier schedule next year than you will or than you will this year. Um, and maybe a good way to think of it is you're playing like a typical Pac-12 schedule from the past few years, but not this year's Pac-12 schedule when you're entering the Big 12. Yeah, definitely. I. You know, it, it's I love that's such a great way to put it to the year zero schedule. I think we are uh, year zero mentality. Like, I think we both kind of have that where it's yeah, this is this is seeing what we have. This is getting these guys some experience. Uh, there's no bowl game. So <laughs> it's yeah. not like you're playing for anything other than learning a little bit. And, and for pride, maybe take some of these teams down while you're you're kind of clearing the slate so to speak this right. season with when serving this punishment so you know it is what it is it's not going to be in terms of like wins and losses a very fun season in that regard but I think if if you change your perspective a little bit if you're an ASU fan and you're frustrated and you're you know whatever if you change your perspective a little bit and, and try to identify like the progression I think that approach to this season could be a lot more fun regardless of wins or losses if if you're looking at you know Rashada is running for his life in one game and then Dillingham is able to figure out like hey if we if we work on just quick release get the ball out of his hands as quickly as we can so he's not running for his life or he's not sacked right. or whatever it is kind of take like just those little tweaks throughout the season I think will be fun to watch and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to yeah totally and ASU still has some really good skill players too. So like that, yeah, absolutely. That makes it a little just more fun, you know, from a football fan standpoint, just having good skill players. Like Elijah Badger is a fun player to watch. Guillory, you know, for the mistake that he made uh, on Saturday, he's a good player. Like, mm -hmm. dude, he was that open. So like that shows you, like, I would rather a guy, you know, be able to get open consistently and have a drop here and there than the other way around. You know? never get separation, right? Yeah. And so that's that's more transferable week to week, uh, which is great. And like Scatabo, like, you know, he's good. Like that, that yeah. was a good touchdown run on that first, you know, touchdown they had. So uh, you mentioned like what they're like playing for this week. I feel like this Fresno game, because this is most likely the easiest game left on our schedule. Um, I feel like this determines whether you're going to like – Maybe it only determines like what your record will be in the end, which obvious, but like I feel like it determines like what kind of below average team you're going to be. If that sounds like I don't want to go into the USC game one and two, you know, no. I just don't. And I, I'm, I'm, I think we will, but I don't want to. And going in two and one, it's not going to change the result of the game, but it's like, okay, like. At least, at least you have like that the one game up. So when you do lose, like you get to two and two instead of one and three, and 
from a again with with no bowl game this year, I think just hovering around 500 for as long as you can will actually be valuable because you can sell like, hey, like we can, you know, you can only sell. Oh, we can play the spoiler so much, you know, in my opinion. So yeah, until it gets old. No, I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, just looking at this Fresno state game, I think this will be, it's going to be a a different sort of feel in terms of like, absolutely a a check for where this offense might actually be in a game where they have to like match another offense. Right. I think that Oklahoma state game was more of a slug fest, like just play within whatever plan that you've come up with. Right. Try to try to move the offense. It's not where whatever it was. It was kind of a, a down and dirty like slugfest a little bit. That's kind of how I saw that game. But I think this Fresno State game could has the potential to be more of a, a track meet a little bit in terms of of points scored and and watching this offense. Yeah, I, I I mean we've got the first game. We know what happened there. The second game, offense was bogged down by poor O line play. You had the drop. You had everything else, right? I think in this game, this gives us an actual opportunity to see this offense um, score some points and and look fun. Because I think you and I have both been talking about it quite a bit. Like, I, I know we mentioned in the leading up to the season, like this team may not win a lot of games, but at least they'll score points and they'll be fun to watch offensively. We haven't really gotten that yet, you know? Right. <laughs> so I think... I think this game, just looking at Fresno State's numbers and, and the, the yardage they allow, um, 364 yards per game, it has the potential. I mean, we saw what happened with Purdue, right? That game was kind of a shootout. Their Eastern yeah. Washington game was a, a shootout, too. Um, so they have the players to make this a shootout. I mean, Eastern Washington went to double overtime. Purdue, 39-35. They're, they're not holding anybody. They're not – you know, no, suppressing no. anybody's offense or anything like that. So if I think if a, if we're talking next week and ASU wasn't able to score points against Fresno State, then there are some questions with this yeah. offense and, and what they're doing, how they're progressing. But I think there's enough off of last game that they could improve on to hopefully come into this game and and build on what they did poorly against Oklahoma State right they they have an opportunity to do so against an opponent that will allow them to do so so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to here I I want to see that track me I want to see that that over darling that we we both thought ASU might be coming into this season right well and if you get on track against Fresno State I don't know how well it translates to USC like USC's defense is still some people are saying it's a little better now. It's kind of a mystery to me. Like, I, I don't know. But yeah, in that game, like, look, ASU is going to lose that game. They'll probably lose that game ultimately by, like, 21 points at, at, at best. Um, but I want there to be, like, a point in, like, the third quarter where, like, oh, ASU's only down by seven points, and, you know, with 10 minutes left to go in the third quarter. And, ooh, like, the offense is kind of keeping up. And then USC would pull away, and it's like, okay, like, they teased Kind of like what happened bit. last year, right? Uh, yeah, that's, kind that's of. Kind of a little what we bit, got yeah. last year a little bit, yeah. Something like that. Where just, I just don't want it to be, like, some awful halftime score, and it's just 
that would just be very bad for every everyone. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's bad already. I'm talking about the ways I would prefer to lose a game. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of how no, of how we we slice it, regardless of how we we kind of perceive the whole thing, it's not it's not the most fun you could possibly have watching a football team, you know? It is not, no. <laughs> so, no. Uh, I do – if the defense can continue to be competent all year, then ASU might, like, just, I don't know, luck into a win. You know, like, we saw the – I mean, it's the NFL, so I obviously much different comparison. But we saw the Cardinals on Sunday who were – Look, I don't think ASU is a good team at all, but I think the Cardinals are probably worse relative to their league than ASU is. Um, yeah, I would say that's fair. Probably, we, you know, I'd, whole season. It might not be as as far as you think immediately, but I would still say ASU might be a little bit better relative to their league than the Cardinals, or relative to the Power Five. I would say. Okay. Because uh, the Pac-12 is so so good this year, so I guess that's a that, that's what I meant. But my, my point with yeah. this is like. The Cardinals, you know, could have won on Sunday. And p- part of the reason why is because they got a defensive touchdown. And so it's not like this team came close to any defensive touchdowns on Saturday. But, I mean, B.J. Green looked great. Two sacks. Uh, he was all over the place. And like you said, like, they didn't give up any big plays. You know, no. they give up the one yard pass. Like, okay, like, that's it. I mean, that, like, the whole defensive – performance was really encouraging to me like for one just how long ASU was actually in the game that's another thing like when you see a 27 to 15 score that does not accurately you know show how the game went um right no I completely agree it's like that defense is the reason it came down to the wire exactly so yeah that that last touchdown pass uh for Rangel that was with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Say just whatever, bad play call and complete. OSU has to kick a field goal. And then it's still a one-score game. So that might have been part of the reason why Dillingham went for it uh, on that on his own 33. Because he was like, well, if like I'm not if I punt it away, I may not get it back because it'll take them a while to get down the field. And if I don't get it here there's a chance our defense just holds them to a field goal um, and we still have a chance, but who knows that it's yeah. Uh, You mentioned, yeah, Fresno state, they need to score. I don't know. ASU needs to probably like for us to not be complaining about the offense next time we record, what's this points total ASU needs to ASU's offense needs to get to winner. Let's just take the result out of it for now. I think win or lose, I need to see 24 would be very fringe for me. 24 would still be like, I don't know, that defense, the defense isn't great for Fresno yeah. State. 24 still feels low, but I think you could talk me into 24 if, if things went differently and maybe there was like a red zone turnover or something like that. Like, okay, they, right. they caught themselves in the foot, but they easily could have scored 31. I want to see between 28 and 31 points scored in this game. If they lose, I want them to lose like 38, 35 to 
31, 28, something like that. Right. Like that, yeah. that's kind of what I'm, I want. I want to shoot out in this game. I want this offense to put up points. I want to see that back and forth that, you know, I was excited to see because that's the that's the most enjoyable part about having a a team that isn't going to contend for anything is you want to have a team that actually scores points. That's what's fun to watch. Offense is fun to watch. Um, I want to see them score. I, I do think Fresno State's going to end up winning this game. It's only a three-point spread right now. Um, I think they might cover a little more than that. Also, who knows, though? Maybe – yeah, you know, coming to Tempe is going to throw them off a little bit. It, it's not like there's zero chance ASU wins this. Oh, game. I mean, look, Fresno State's defense has been not good in both of their wins. Like, right? I mean, they look like we complained about barely beating Southern Utah. I'm sure they are complaining about going to double overtime with Eastern Washington. You know, right? Yeah, absolutely. Giving up 35 and I mean 31 and double overtime. That's a little deceiving but again it's eastern washington um you don't anticipate to give up that many points they're a pretty solid offensive program though well um i i haven't looked at their box score but like either way like it doesn't matter like whatever it was you went to overtime with them already so maybe your defense did a little bit better than the 31 points in double overtime would suggest but ultimately like well they had to come back even to get to to get to fresno um let me see. Maybe I was looking at the wrong thing. Uh, yeah, Eastern Washington took a lead in the fourth quarter. Fresno State had to tie it. Um, yeah, there you go. And so, yeah. no, I don't want to. I don't want uh, to talk myself into because I don't want to talk yeah. myself into like, oh, ASU is going to win this game. Like, I although I would think ASU would win. I think the thing that hurts them really badly is the Emmett Bowley injury and some of the offensive lineman injuries. Yeah. Even though or Fresno State's defensive line probably isn't as good as Oklahoma State's. It's still like it's a freshman quarterback in his third game starting, you know, like it's it's still tough. Like there's just <laughs> there's just yeah. a lot of guys injured with on this offensive line. And that's just it's yeah. just tough. I, I can I can tell you I won't be picking ASU to win this game, but I will be picking a ton of points. I think I think we might finally see I don't want to say an offensive explosion I don't want to be hyperbolic or anything like that um but a little bit more than we've seen from the last two games and maybe like a pretty decent amount more than we've seen the last two games um I I want to see that consistency a little bit you saw a little bit of offense against Southern Utah in the very beginning before that game got weird you saw a little bit of offense in the beginning against Oklahoma State right you know you had the the uh, Elijah Badger touchdown catch you had the Scadaboo touchdown run um so great play calls by the way yeah yeah like there's there's flashes there's flashes there's there's flashes that we've seen so turning those flashes into a more consistent beam of light so to speak um would be would be ideal. I want to see that against the defense that will allow you to do that. Also, this total is extremely low. I don't know what anybody has it at in terms of like where you can actually play it, but on ESPN, I'm seeing it listed at 50 and a half, um, which, which feels very, very low given the state of these two teams. I feel like if that game goes under, 
that's either a really great thing for ASU or it's a really bad thing for ASU. Like, I feel like if that if it goes under, it's uh, because yeah. either ASU's defense just basically played a similar game that they did last week, or ASU's offense is even worse than it was last week. Yeah, I think that I think that figure is. I mean, it kind of based on what Fresno State has done defensively the last two weeks. I think that figure being as low as it is is kind of a a little tip of the cap to to ASU's defense a little bit, right? Like, how it is it be. not? Or maybe even a little like, yeah. And again, these are all like simulations and how these are determined are yeah is way above my pay grade. But I would have to think. You're not setting the lines in Vegas, Colton? I no, know. I, I retired a few years back. Um, I would think this has something to do with ASU's defense having played solid and yeah. ASU's offense having looked a little shaky the last two weeks. But again, I do think we're going to see strides from ASU's offense in this game. And if that's the case, I, I'm, I think that that total is way too low. Yeah, that does that does look a little suspicious. And so, you know, I saw some, you know, videos of like press conference this week from practice. Uh, it they were talking to Dilling, or they were talking to one of the players, or maybe it was Dillingham. I don't know, but like you had players like messing around with like pretending like to ask him a question or something. And so, like to me, that speaks to the vibe still being pretty high around the team and. I think that's very important to know because like obviously the vibes around the fan base are just very low, <laughs> not yeah. really, not like only really like 10, 15% because of this team, really just mostly just because of uh, everything that's preceded it. And Michael Crow going out of his way, you know, this like 10 months ago to say that Deion Sanders wasn't ready for coaching, <laughs> which yeah, because oh, Michael Crow is the expert on all things athletics. He yeah, really seems to have exactly. his finger on the pulse. We, we've always said that. Uh, but and another thing is, um, I think, you know, a lot of times when you have the, the group of five team come in, there's maybe not as much motivation naturally. Yeah. There can be no like there's no excuse. And I don't I don't see this. I like I haven't seen this as an issue with the team so far. Like I'm I'm not trying to accuse anyone of this, but like there's no excuse not to have all the motivation in the world against Fresno yeah, State. This should be the most motivated, the most hungry that they've been. And yeah. it's a young season. It's week three. Right. I get it. But this should be the most hungry and motivated that they've been, this group as a collective under Dillingham yep. so far. Because A, you're well, one, you just lost. Two, you are underdogs at home to a group of five team. Now, granted, it's a pretty good group. It's like one of the better group of five programs. So I'm not like Fresno State's a good program. It's not bad, but you are an underdog at home to them. And also, and I mean, you were just shut out for two and a half quarters. That, yeah, that too, exactly. <laughs> at home. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, Fresno State actually has the second longest winning streak of all teams in the country entering this week. The only team ahead of them is Georgia. They've won 11 straight games. And so if you're – I think I, I saw a player mention this too. Like, oh, we got to end that winning streak. We got to – you know, that's a, another added carrot. And I I like – a part of me likes that they're playing like a above-average-ish group of five team instead of UNLV or something. Because like if you're playing UNLV or like Nevada, like either A, you win comfortably and then that's great – or 
ASU either barely wins or loses, and then we have all the same questions. If ASU, like, sure, like, if ASU wins an ugly defensive game, don't get me wrong, I'm still going to be disappointed in the offense, but it's like, okay, you held Fresno State's offense to, you know, 15 points or whatever. Uh, so they're, they're a good enough team where there's no – there's no excuses about motivation or anything like that. So hundred percent. I think this is a good, this is going to be a good um, temperature check for like where this team's at uh, mentally. You talked about it. Like how, yeah. how do they respond? All of those things. Right. I think that's a great point. Um, there was something I was going to say and I completely blanked on it. So we can probably move on, but well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited. I think this is the first, and obviously Oklahoma State was – I don't know how to word it. It's its the first game for me where I'm like, I think we're going to get a good, solid feel for what this team is. Yeah. I think Oklahoma State was like their first – I don't want to say – I think real game is the, the worst way to say it. I think there was a lot of weird stuff in that game. That game had to – and I'm sure they were just like, you know what, 1-0, throw it away. Um, but this is the first game where it's like, they've got to respond. They've got to put some of the doubt to rest, all of that stuff. And, oh, I remember what I was going to say in a season where there doesn't seem to be like any clear cut goal to play for. I, I think it's so important to find the meaning in each game that you're playing and that winning streak thing that you're talking about. That's one of those things. That's an example of something that you can find motivation in in a game that doesn't really play for any sort of grand scheme, grand goal, right? When you're in a Absolutely. situation that it's like, you can't play for anything bigger in terms of like bowl game, uh, conference champ, whatever it is, finding those small little milestones along the way can make you find, it, it helps you find the meaning and it helps you stay focused on, on various things across the board. So that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh yeah that's basically all i got i do have one more topic to bring up um and it's funny that we haven't really mentioned this player too much this episode well the second player i guess but drew pine uh is returning back to practice this week and there's been some speculation some fans being like oh we should play him over rashada i think i am on record like stick with rashada like just stick with him he was not like obviously didn't have a fantastic game but he wasn't the reason you lost to Oklahoma State. Like a hundred percent. Not and that's the, yeah. No, what were you gonna say? Sorry. I was just gonna reiterate, like he didn't have a great game, he threw a pick. Like I'm I'm not trying to, you know, excuse all of that, but he was not the main issue. And again, like if if it's a year zero, if it, if you if you don't have a bowl, like why would you just put Rashada in for two games and be like, oh, we've seen enough? It's like, no, you haven't. You actually have not. And Again, Fresno State defense, this is this will be the, you know, this is a not great defense. And so that should provide opportunities for him as well. What? Yeah, I, I was just saying this is the litmus test. I've been trying to think of that phrase this entire episode, <laughs> and it finally came to me. This is the That's litmus good. test for the offense to see where they're at against a team that will allow points, right? Yeah. Like that's that's kind of what I how I feel. Um but you're 100% right. If Rashada isn't the reason you're losing games, and I don't think he is, I don't feel like he's been the reason, or I guess <laughs> the one game, if he's not the reason you're losing 
and it doesn't ever get to that point in this season, I am, I completely agree with you. I think you have to stick with him. You have to let him learn from these mistakes. You have to let him grow on the job. And that's the commitment that you made when you made him the starter out of the game. If you were, if you were nervous about like, Oh, if he's losing his games and we have to pull him, what's that going to do? Not only for his progression, but for his willingness to want to stay in a, in a system where you can leave every single year, depending on what happens, all of these things were probably considered. And if that was something you were worried about, you, you go with Borgay until Pine is healthy. Right. right. That, that's kind of my thought process. Is right. Like, right. Rashad Rish- yes. is almost like there but kind of unofficially redshirting if this was going to be the case, if he was just going to be your guy until Pine was healthy. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And it's just, I think it's just reactionary fan behavior, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen anything from Rashada where I have thought he's not, he's not ready for this. No, like a part of me, like a part of me thinks he's exceeded expectations just by like not being a complete disaster in the second half in their last game. And again, he wasn't like great. I'm not trying to, you know, he didn't help them win the game. I get it. But, uh, he also, anyway, I, I made my point on that, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just reactionary fan behavior. And Dillingham said in a press conference this week, like he kind of made it clear. It wasn't Rashada's main fault that they lost. He, I think he had a quote of like, we have 99 problems and quarterback isn't one of them or something like that. Or I don't know, but, it's it and and that's what you want to hear from a coach with a freshman quarterback who you entrusted to be the starter this whole year. You can't that would be just such a terrible that would be such bad leadership in my opinion to be like just after one bad half, not even a bad game because he had a good first half, just be like oh, okay, no, we're actually going to take you out now uh, because you know it's the third game of the year against Fresno State. It's like and you haven't been. 100 percent awesome yeah and it's not like drew pine is some world beater of a quarterback who's gonna put you i i feel like you could almost do less with drew pine (laughs) than you can with rashada like i i it does not make sense and i hope i I hope this is all just speculation i hope this is something that's actually being entertained and i don't think it is yeah and i i have two thoughts (coughs) rashada uh well in rashada and pine with Rashada, what? Let's just say you switch Rashada and put him on Oklahoma State for that game, and let's just say you put had ASU had Oklahoma State's best quarterback, probably Rangel. I don't know. They all kind of look the same, but just one of those guys, Bowman, Rangel, or uh, Gundy. They're on ASU. What do? You, how do you think that game goes? <laughs> like, it's you know, ASU still loses, and they probably lose by even more. So, I just. I do not buy that uh, that he's the issue. And with Pine, people are like, oh, he's he's more experienced. He's just not. And it's like, okay, Pine, the, his only year of starting as a quarterback in college was behind Notre Dame's offensive line with future pros on it. And so we're supposed to be, oh, okay, you haven't played in over a, or in a year. You're just getting off a hamstring injury. Here you go behind ASU's. Offensive line that's held together by duct tape and bailing wire and super glue. Uh, Good luck. I I would say I would say glue sticks. Yeah, there you go. But that's my point. Like, 
Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It wouldn't make any sense. And I don't think it's a move that can be even entertained at this point. And from my perspective, when Dillingham made the move to go with Rashada as a true freshman in the season opener, he, he kind of, they're, they're linked in my mind now. Rashada yes. and Dillingham until Rashada leaves, hopefully that's after a very productive ASU career and he has an NFL future and he leaves after three years, right? Hopefully yeah. that's what happens for, for all parties. I like this era is, is that's chapter one of the Dillingham era. Chapter one is the Jaden Rashada era. Like that's kind of how I view it now. Yeah. And, and for better or worse, if Dillingham decides, Hey, this kid's not ready. It, I mean, you made the decision to go with him and he hasn't looked like he's not ready. I think he's going to continue to grow. He's going to continue to improve. And this is going to end up being a great decision, but it's so pivotal in his freshman year to instill that confidence in him. And I think they've done a great job of that. You yeah. Know, Dillingham talking about the 99 problems and a quarterback isn't one. The classic Jay-Z adage um, that he he stuck by him and he, he, he kind of showed him like, hey, this is – they're linked in my mind. And I – I'm excited. I, I think it's cool to have a quarterback and a coach that are going to grow together. We're in very, very similar positions for their respective roles. So that's that's a cool layer to watch in a season that doesn't have uh, a ton of cool layers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's let's make some game picks. Colton, I'll let you go first. All right, like I said, I'm I'm really on a shootout here. I kind of made a little, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, I think, I I think the offense is going to feel the pressure a little bit, especially after what we talked about for two and a half quarters against Oklahoma state being shut out at home after getting off to a a relatively hot start with the touchdown and and taking the lead and everything like that. Um, I think they're going to come out with something to prove against a a defense that I have multiple times said is going to allow them to come out and and prove it. Um, I'm saying ASU scores 28 points. I'll say final score is going to be, I'm going to say 38, 28 Fresno state wins. Okay. Actually, sorry. Give me 31, 28, 31, 28. Okay. Wow. Well, you basically, we basically have a very similar prediction <laughs> because I have ASU uh, losing 30 to 28. So, wow, okay. Um, I think, yeah, I think ASU's offense is going to be better, but you're also going to see the offensive line woes are still going to be an issue. Um, and I think Fresno, I think Fresno will be able to get a few more plays than Oklahoma State will, and that will be the reason for the loss so that's a good call I'm anxious to see I talked about it a little bit but that adjustment that Dillingham makes like how do you how do you simplify the game a little bit for Rashada after what happened and considering what happened against Oklahoma State and considering the state of the offensive line are they going to go with what is he going to scheme up right is he going to go with more three-step drops is he going to try to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible uh we've made a few NFL comparisons in this this episode so i'll give you one more watching that eagles patriots game on sunday it was incredible how a a a game plan centered around getting the ball 
out of your quarterback's hands as quickly as possible. It was incredible how efficient that makes a quarterback look and how that neutralizes a pass rush. Right. You cannot get after a quarterback if the ball is in his hands for two to three seconds. Right. So if they if they come up with some plan that's just like as quickly as possible, let's run slants, let's run crossers, let's run, let's run bootlegs, let's get Jaden Rashada out of the pocket a little bit, let him move use his legs. Whatever they scheme up, that's what I'm most excited to see. And I think I think Dillingham is up for the task. This is for me, this is my first big test for Dillingham. I want to see how he responds after that Oklahoma State game. Um, and I think he will respond. So that's that's kind of the last thing I wanted to say is just I want to see what he schemes up for Rashada to to simplify the offensive approach for him a little bit. Yeah, I feel that. That all makes sense. All right. Thank you for lo- watching, everyone. Uh, obviously, we hope, you know, ASU wins, but uh, we try to be realistic here. So that's where we're coming from. Uh, please rate and review, like and subscribe. And as always, go Devils.